I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, welcome back to Deep Dish Radio. I'm Tim Powers. Thanks for checking us out today. My guest today is my friend Ken Mills, and Ken is one of the most prolific and talented podcasters I know. His show, Zilch, a monkey's podcast, has generated tens of thousands of listeners all over the world. Zilch is a well-produced, compelling magazine-style show for fans of the 1960s TV show and rock group The Monkeys, and the show has generated so much interest that even a member of The Monkeys itself has, uh, has joined the show as a guest. Now, the first thing you're going to notice about Ken is that he is amazingly charming and has a refreshing lack of ego. But over the course of our interview, Ken's very thoughtful and gentle nature is revealed. And then underneath all of that, you'll find a very capable, very competent, very smart man who foolishly has found podcasting a good way to spend his extra time. I mean, seriously, what kind of goof spends all his time podcasting, right? Well, Ken and I are going to talk about the business of podcasting, why we do it, what got us there, and what's happened since we started podcasting, and where we think podcasting is going. Uh, I think you're going to love it. So we'll check that out in just a minute. But before that, if you like what you hear today, tell your friends. Retweet episodes. Share them on your social media page, your Facebook page. Put it out there. Email episodes to your friends who don't understand Facebook. Uh, there's a Facebook page for Deep Dish Radio. Find it and join us today. And follow me on Twitter, at Deep Dish Radio. And email your thoughts and Nigerian money scams to me, Tim, at DeepDishRadio.com. I'm really grateful you chose to spend some time listening to this episode of Deep Dish Radio. Get to know my friend Ken. And uh, I have some more great episodes coming up for you very, very soon. Thank goodness I have some time to get to them. Thanks again. Here, ladies and gentlemen, my insightful and talented friend, Ken Mills. It's Deep Dish Podcast. Subscribe today and tell a friend about Deep Dish Podcast with Tim Powers. With Tim Powers. The first half of uh, of what you're about to hear 
uh, is found on Zilch, a monkey's podcast, available wherever fine podcasts are sold. And I say that because it's creator and producer and anchorman. He's uh, reluctant to call himself the host, so I'm going to do it. The host of Zilch, a monkey's podcast, Ken Mills, is with me today. We discussed all things monkeys and Ken's uh, and my fascination with uh, this TV show slash band slash merchandising empire. And now... Uh, I'm here to talk to Ken in his role as the Podfather. Ken, how many podcasts are you involved with right now? Uh, three, well, four. It's 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 always up and down and in and out and all that, right? By the way, thank you for having me on the show. You're welcome, Ken. It's a pleasure. It's, it's always a pleasure to be had. <laughs> well, if I can have anybody, I can have you. They say you're easy. If I can't have you, I don't want no nobody, baby. It's true. Uh, uh, but. Uh, how many? Well, we've got four. One I'm affiliated with and part of. I, I do like call-ins and production work on a little bit. That's called The Kiss Room. And that's a, basically a live show that goes out as it airs on radio station in Pennsylvania. And that's a high school uh, party? It's, it's, a, it's a college. Oh. It's actually a college that teaches uh, you know, radio and communication and video and film and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's it's, it's a communication college, okay. and uh, they they record the show live. And there's a insanely wonderful, great Kiss fan by the name of Matt Porter. Hello, Matt, and uh, he's just fantastic. And I I actually was listening to him back before I got into podcasting on uh, the WinApp app. Remember WinAmp? Yes. Uh, and I would listen to him do these live shows where he'd play Kiss for like four hours. And I didn't – you never knew when it was going to be on. But I would do a search for Kiss like once a week on the Win app and it would come up, you know, Monco Radio. Here it is. So boom. So I would listen to him and I didn't know who he was. And then somehow or another, I became the president. This is a, this is a true thing. I, or, or I became the general of the Kiss Army of Pennsylvania. Ofi- and officially. Yes, okay. because they have different chapters and divisions, right? right? Yeah, and every state has one, and and people like said, "Look, we need to get someone for every state." So there was a movement, and and I was I was the guy from Pennsylvania, and it turned out that the guy who took over my place was Matt, and at this point, I had not put together that it was that guy. Then I heard him on another show, and I said, "Would you come on our show?" And he said, "Sure," and we just instant friends right your show being the, the podcast podcast yeah which i'll get into a little bit but okay. uh but then but then he joined us and over time i realized that when when i was moving from pennsylvania there was a guy named matt that took over for me and he was realizing that he's looking at a folder it says ken stuff and wondering who ken was <laughs> And it turns out we're working alongside by side one another on the podcast in the kiss room. And it took us a while to put it all together that we were those guys. I mean, how weird is that? Like it took me moving to Arkansas to really get to know the guy. That's social media for you. And you had to leave the state in order to do it. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. Wow. Life is, life is, life is on. So, we started a, a show called The Podcast, and I did not know what a podcast was at all. 
This is like 2005. The first show went up 2006. The the first like first podcast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 the very first podcast. And I did not know what a podcast was. And Gary Schaller came to me and said, "Look, I know you do artwork and I know that you've done radio and stuff. Would you be interested in helping out?" And I'm like, "Sure, but what is a podcast?" And he tried to explain it to me. And, you know, it's it's a thing that people upload and they download and they this and, and you need artwork for it. Yes. And they we're going to have a page and, and then people will will find it and they'll download it. And I'm like, OK, I don't know what I'm doing. So I made the artwork. And it just so happened that I went from dial up. Remember that wonderful stuff? Do I ever to high speed the month that it debuted. And I went, this is a radio show. Right. Why didn't you tell me you were doing a radio show? I can do radio. I have a I have a face for radio. I can do this. I can run my mouth. This is good. Clearly. I can pontificate, ramble on, bullshit, whatever you want to call it. So I I said, "Well, why don't we get some people from the Kiss world to come on the show?" Uh, you mean we can do that? <laughs> yeah. Now, hold on a second. And, and I got a hold of uh, Bob Kulik, and they put me right through into his studio. And he was working on some albums because he does he does a lot of compilation albums. Like uh, he'll take a bunch of heavy metal artists, and they'll do a Christmas album or a wrestling album or some sort of themed album. And he's done really well with this, right? Right. He's basically selling mixtapes. Yeah, but you know mixtapes he gets to produce and produce you know all that stuff like sure. you get alice cooper singing i'm santa claus and it's not santa claus ho 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 but santa with claus you know right come down and i'm gonna get you so it's 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 pretty cool stuff you get to work with alice cooper that's that's not a bad schlub nope. so so you know he 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 was the first person that came on our show and then uh, bruce Kulick came on the show and then we had uh, Paul Stanley's uh, director for Live to Win on the show, and we had Adam, Adam Rifkin on the show, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And that was 10 years ago right now. 10 years ago right now that happened. As Crazy. In, in December of 2016, here, here we are. Now, to be clear, 10 years ago, the gear was not as accessible as no. it was for oh. podcasting. No, no, absolutely. And here's the weird thing. It's changed so much between then and now. And back then, all you had to do was publish one thing. Like, just, just get one thing, and iTunes said thank you. And they were nice. Now iTunes is this major giant that doesn't care whether you live, breathe, or die, or, you know, whatever. Yep. And it, it's one of those things where, like, everything's been devalued, right? Because there's so much out there. Yeah. And... Well, it, well, it's not just that, but but we'll we'll get into that. Okay, remember devalue. Remember that word, because value and devaluing things are, are very important. So the other shows I do are there's podcast, which is ten years, Kiss Room, which is going on five years now, I think. Okay. And then there's Cheap Talk, which is in its third, going on fourth year, and we have Zilch, which is three years old, our, our newest baby. And I, I'm wanting to start a new show about pop culture. That way I can talk about anything and everything. So, you know, this way I don't have to just talk about one band or 
what have you. I yeah. can talk about anything and interview a lot of really cool people that I know. So that, that wouldn't fit into any of those other three, uh, those other three silos. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm a huge Star Trek nerd, for example. You know, so if I want to talk Trek, I have to go on a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> this way, I'd be able to do whatever I want, and right. it's kind of like what I really want to do in the long run. You know, there's the old "I really want to direct." That's what I really want to do. Sure. So, uh, the good thing about podcasting is that you can be the director, you can be the producer, you can be the voice, you can be the the guy doing the voiceover, and no one know it. If you can pull off different voices, you can be an entire staff if you really want to put the time in. But um, I was talking about valuing and devaluing, right? Okay. I always wanted to do radio. And there's one thing I want to talk about, and I don't know if I talked about this at all, but when I was growing up, I had this horrible stuttering problem. I did not know that. Well, there's a reason I want to talk about that, because I think there's a lot of people that are stutterers. Right. And I'm one of them. And it, you know, it's it's difficult when you can't control how things are coming out of you, right? And I'm not talking about you know diarrhea jokes or anything. I'm talking about. And yet you made one, but yes, yeah, I understand. You, know, you got to go there, right? So, but when you think about uh, whether it's alcoholism or anything, you you you're just not in control, and it's a it's a horrible, horrible place to be in. And I think that there are a lot of people that, like, uh, don't have a voice, right? And some of that, like, if, if you have someone that's a stutterer, chances are they, they're not going to talk too much of their own free will. Right. Right? A lot of people hold that close to their, their chest. You know, they don't want to let everyone know. Uh, when I was a kid, I would stutter and I would... Uh, read comic books and stuff like that. Like when I was a, a very young kid in first grade, uh, my teacher took away my Justice League and Fantastic Four comics. And the reason she did that was because I walked up to her and asked her how to pronounce this word. And I said, is it Aspositos? And in the story, Johnny Storm, the human torch, right. was trapped by Dr. Doom and the, the Fantastic Four were trapped in four unique traps that were going to stop them from being able to use their powers. Well, Johnny Storm was in a room full of Aspositos. Right. Which is actually, as I grew up, asbestos. But for like a kid who's in first grade to be able to sound out Aspositos, that's pretty cool, right? Right. So she took your books away for uh, in encouraging your love of reading. It makes perfect sense. And And she actually said... To my mom, she, she gave her like a stack of comic books and says, I, I'm glad that he knows how to read, but he didn't learn it the right way. And he's got to learn it this way. I guess that, you know, it, it's, it's got to come from within, like anything, right? You got to break someone down so they can learn your method. So if I were her, I would have went like, wow, that my, half my work's done with this kid. He, he wants to read. But, you know, that's, that's teachers, right? There's, there's great teachers out there. And then there are teachers who want to be in control so much that they are not looking at the best for their students. Right. And that's why they like to control young minds because they, they're malleable. 
Yeah, exactly. Where to you and me, a kid wants to read, 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 read. Absolutely. You know, I get every every young reader that I know, I always send a stack of comic books. You know, if somebody's five years old and just getting into reading, I'll find what's appropriate and send them, you know, if the Archies or Disney comics or, you know, or appropriate Marvels. Batman and Superman, sure. And at that age. There's nothing better to read, you know? Absolutely. And and the stuff's out there, and that's great. So so there was that like educational hurdle, right? Right. And then I had a guy, and I won't say his name, but he was one of these military type people that, you know, like his fantasy was to be a colonel or something. At, at least that's how it came off. And he would do these really bizarre things. And and this happened. This was this was in 1977. Okay, is it, this is a kid you grew up with. No, this is this is a teacher I had. Okay. I will not say his name, but this story is true, I assure you of this. He would do very bizarre things that if he caught someone talking, he would have them put their legs out of their desk and their arms up in the air, and he would have them go on an imaginary motorcycle ride. And after not every time they did that, they would have to write another hundred words on an essay. So at, so the goal of this was to have the person write an essay saying because I wasn't paying attention in class, I had to go on an imaginary motorcycle ride. And this is what I saw on my imaginary motorcycle ride. And if you could not keep your hands and arms up in that position for the longest time or or, or for the for his allotted time, you would have another 100 words added onto your paper. This guy would also do things like put a G.I. Joe doll or a Barbie doll in a bizarre position and make the person who picked it up stand in that same position. And (laughs) I'm not making this up. Wow. One time a girl was caught talking and he made her put a dog collar on and sit by him like a puppy while while he taught. (laughs) And this girl literally crawled with him as he walked from desk to desk 1977 how old are you at this point ken i'm 15 14 15 okay so it when it's like an eight-year-old with a dog collar okay that can be cute when it's a 15 year old girl with a dog collar Mm -hmm. that borders on some legal action oh trust me I, I'm telling you this. So he found out I stuttered. Oh, boy. So he would do things like, and now, as we're going to read Jack London's White Fang, we would like our human motorboat imitator, Ken Mills, would you please open up chapter one today? Oif. And I would live in fear of what the word is that would be on that paper that I would mess up. Is it we, 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 how, 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 when, 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 when? And he would literally lean into my face and go, whoa, 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 whoa. And he would make me read in front of the class. And he told me one day that it was to get me to stop stuttering. Do you believe that? I don't know. Okay. The guy had his own things he was trying to work out, I guess. Clearly. 
but it made me take stacks of books. We we had this I don't know if you remember if you've ever grown up in the country and stuff, you would have these oil uh you know, the oil tanks that they would put above ground, right like near your house, right? And I would crawl between the oil tank and and the house and I would take a stack of books there. And I would just open the books up at random and find any chapter and just try to say the, the word, you know. And I, I every once in a while I'll see a book and I'll just say where or when. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And our our school had a radio program that one of the teachers had started this thing where it was everything from ham radio to the CBs to actual radio. And as a result, you got to do the school announcements. But you didn't have a transmitter. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, actually, we actually did at some point, but it was very low key. It was just enough to teach you, like, this is how this works. We're not violating any FCC things. Like, it's not actually being broadcast any more than, like, so many, you know, 100 feet or whatever. Was it a carrier current station? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it, was, it was very low key. Everything okay. was low key. But the, the point of it is, is that. I, f- I feel that we as humans have this thing where there's the fear like, – like fear is a great motivator, right? It can be. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have this thing where fear can either uh, propel you to do something or prohibit you from doing something, right? Like you take a look at someone like David Lee Roth or Gene Simmons or, or, or whatever. They said, I'm not going to be the last guy picked – in gym class anymore I'm not you know and it, it all comes from the same place you know you whether it's fear you you're going to be left behind or fear you're not going to get the girls or whatever but like to the point where you like can become a cartoon right like you look at David Lee Roth that's a guy who at some point said no 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 this is not happening I'm I'm going to let it propel me I'm going to be I'm going to become this character I'm going to be become this person right right so in that same sense, I had this fear that I'd make a complete fool out of myself. But I also knew that I'd listen to all these great AM jocks and FM jocks and announcers on TV. And I wanted to be able to do that. And I just absolutely loved radio, loved radio so much. It, it was what I wanted to do. It was what I would pretend to do. I, I, I remember having like probably 1245s and I would sit there and do a radio show like in the bedroom where the record player was and it was the same show like every day it's different playing the same 1245 so 24 right. songs you know just in different orders did you record it on cassette <laughs> oh I, I actually did but it's it's not around no I know but my the reason I ask is because I did the same thing when yes. I was 10, 11, 12, and I am surprised. I thought I was the only kid in the world who did that, but I am so surprised by how many people in our circle, right? Uh-huh. Podcasters, radio guys, just guys off the street who got radio in their blood and that's how they started at 9 and 10 years old, you know, playing their playing their 45s on uh on a turn even um Bobby Hart did that. Yeah. You yeah. know? Um, you and I both did it. God, I wish I still had some of those tapes. There's some weird stuff, some weird music I found on there. Yeah. 
so I would, you know, you mentioned a, a cassette recorder. I, I would, I would tape like the monkeys and I would tape Scooby-Doo, even the music on Scooby-Doo. Remember they'd have like songs in the first, in the first years? season. Yeah. Where they'd have, uh, yeah. Like it sounded kind of Ron Dante ish. Yeah. And I would record that. And when the Brady Bunch would sing and, and I, we had every, I had access to the kinks, <laughs> the Rolling Stones and the, and the Beatles, but I wanted this as well, you know, right. so I always loved pop music and in, in almost every incarnation. But so getting back to the stuttering thing. So I had this little recorder and between recording myself and imitating comedians. And when I say imitating comedians, I'd be like, uh, like literally imitating the comedians. Like when I was a little kid, we had this record that was the Beatles invade the U.S. or something. I forget what it's called. But it had four sides, you know, two two albums, and 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 it was this DJ interviewing the lads, right? Right. And it would be like, "This is fantastic. The Beatles have broken in," and da, 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 in the, this really fast delivery from the D- DJ, and he's like interviewing Paul. How did you find Detroit? You know, things like that, and and it was it was great. And I would walk around this annoying little kid. And I would imitate all four of the Beatles, you know, and <laughs> like you've got George Harrison and he's there's the George Harrison that's like on in Hard Day's Night. And he's like, I'd be quite prepared for that eventuality, right? And then there's George where he's being interviewed and he's like in the back of a car in a hotel room and he's exhausted. He's like, well, the thing of it is, is that we would enter into when we arrived at Washington, we didn't know, you know, so it's a totally different thing. He sounds like he's rubbing his eyes and thinking, you know, right. And, you know, so I would imitate each one of them. So just imagine this annoying five-year-old. Not that hard to imagine at this point, Ken. (laughs) No, it's adorable. It really is. And, and, you know, by virtue of having to overcome what you had to overcome, it gave you really, really sensitive ears and um, and gave you, the, you know, you worked your muscle on how to uh, how to enunciate and how to how to um, uh, impersonate. Right. Who are well, the yeah. who are the comedians on that you were that you were um, mimicking? Oh, anybody that would be on the Merv Griffins and the Johnny Carsons and anybody, you know, I and, and, and like we even talking about the old Jewish comedians and stuff like that. So he said to him, Maury, let me tell you something, you know, right. stuff like that. So it was you would get lost in these characters on TV. And I found out that when I imitated people or sang, I would not stutter. Huh. And how I defeated the teacher was I turned into a radio announcer and I read to him. Wow. And he quit picking on me when I became the radio announcer. So I would become like a big boss jock, right? Right. I'd be like, on the day that we went up to the mountain and it just – something clicked inside and I didn't have to – stutter anymore and it was a pronounced louder voice and it was arrogant and full of energy and i wasn't afraid and i could hide inside that that character that voice right so voice has become very popular to me and so 
when I would get on the school, uh, what do you want, PA system and do the announcements like, today we're having cream corn, I, I would turn <laughs> it to the guy from the local Cleveland radio station and I'd do my take on it. And people would say like, wow, you sound like a DJ. And it's like, because I am right now. Yeah. And it, so I became able to overcome my stuttering. And I still, to this day, stutter. And I don't know where it comes from. I don't know where it's going. I, I don't know when it's coming sometimes. But when I'm behind a microphone, I almost never have a problem. There's something about seeing that little red light. It's go time. Yeah, interesting. Did your voice change early? Which one? Right. There you go. My uh, my voice changed when I was about nine, right? And I went from being, you know, squeaky little kid to to actually having not far from the voice you hear right now, right? And it caused people to turn around and go, "Wow, what a what an amazing, great, deep voice!" And I got I got emotional strokes for that, you know. People say, "Well, you sound really good." And at, so at ten, I'm like, "What can I do with this voice?" Since people seem to like it so much. And like you, radio was, was it loomed large in my legend. And, um, you know, just, and it was at the time that, that, you know, AM radio was, was dying, but was still there. And WKRP was on the air. And I'm like, this is, that's it. That's, oh my gosh, that would be so much fun. Yeah. What a great show. <sighs> yeah. Well, it influenced so many of us. Yeah. So, so you, you, you know, you develop this radio announcer personality. How do you get on the air? Well, that was part of the problem, right? So I, I wanted to go to broad chasing school. I mean, broadcasting school. Right. And because the other doesn't pay, but boy, does it ever. And put on pumps. So I, I wanted to go to broadcasting school. And it, my mother, I, I got a, uh, a loan, right? To right. Some, some sort of grant. And my mother and my stepfather got a divorce, and she really needed the money. So I went for a couple of weeks, and she needed the money. So I just basically sucked it all out of the bank and gave it to her. I said, Mom, you need this. And I got started working. And uh, the problem with working then is that this was right after the Jimmy Carter presidency. And people don't realize how bad it was back then. Oh, the economy get- was terrible. And I remember how how big I realized it was. There was a flower shop in Ashtabula, Ohio. And my friend – and I, I didn't drive at that point. I would get my driver's license a year later. But, but So my friend and I, we went up to this place that had a, a gardening assistant, basically someone that would pot the plants or whatever. And you might have to wait on a customer, right? There were over 500 people that showed up for that job. And I remember uh, Channel 3 out of Cleveland came out and filmed it. And they filmed everybody standing in this long line. And it was, it was an indication of exactly how bad the economy was. That people that had families were wanting to get this job. And I was just a punk. You know, I, I, I was nobody. I was just trying to get one of my first jobs, right? Right. And... It was weird. It was a weird feeling knowing that, wait a second, this guy is not going to be able to feed his kids if I get this job. And how much do you really want to work 
uh, flowers, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> Potting soil and all that. But it was it was just a bad time anyway. So at some point, I remember doing college radio, and it wasn't that I was going to that college, but the people that were doing college radio, I would listen to their show, and they we'd become friends, and they'd have me come on, and they were like, you know. What we're trying to teach people, you're already you you can do already, you know. Right. Yeah. So we do like radio mystery theater type things, or you know, bizarre skits and stuff like that on the air. Everything from radio improv to uh, actual. Here we are playing music, and I would hang out, and it was a great way to meet girls, right? You know. <laughs> so, so we did that, and it was cool and all. They're and never I, as pretty as they sound, Ken. They're never as pretty as they sound. Sometimes they're better. <laughs> You're a lucky dude. <laughs> but, and I was also in bands, you know. Again, I could inhabit another character. You know what I'm saying? Ba- the bass player? Well, whether it's the bass player, the guitar player, drums, because I can do just about anything. If, if you put anything around me long enough, it'll make music or make someone cry. So <laughs> it's, it's one of those two things, right? Okay. You know, eventually I'll figure it out. And I was kind of like the shortstop. Like, like I, was, I could play every position on the team. So if, you, if someone says, hey, I'm starting a band. We need a bass player. I'm like, well, okay, let's go. Hey, I'm starting a band. We need a drummer. Okay, let's go. You know, you, you get the idea. Right. And there was even one time when I was in a Christian band. And I, I didn't know what to say, right? But because I would play these characters, guess who spoke to the crowd? Paul Stanley of Kiss. Why? Interesting. Yeah, you know, I was talking to some people backstage, and they were talking about vodka and orange juice. You know that sort of thing. So it, it <laughs> there, there were <laughs> videos of me doing my worst Paul Stanley imitation in front of a bunch of kids, telling them about the love of Jesus, and it's just a bizarre. I mean, he's kind of a preacher anyway, right? You know, he's kind of like a preacher for rock and roll, right? Sure. You know his his. Uh, his rants and stuff like that. Well, so I, God gave rock and roll to you. Exactly. He did. He did. So uh, so I guess the reason I wanted to talk about the stuttering thing is I wanted to really put it out there that if you have this problem, you're finding a way to deal with it in your life and you're, you're not alone. I just want you to know that. That's my big thing. Like this year, it's been really laid upon me that you're not alone. And... By that, I mean everything from, like, for example, Monkeys fans and Kiss fans have just been dumped on so bad, you know. And I just want people, you know, we get so many people that are, like, I was listening to your show at work. And all my life, I was made fun of for fill in the blank. I now realize I'm not alone. And it's like you hear that enough. You like go, my God, you know. <laughs> You know, it, it's it's really easy to be a, gosh, just just mention like a Pink Floyd fan. Nobody gives them crap, right? Or a Rolling Stones fan, or yeah, nobody yeah. gives them crap. ACDC, nobody really gives them crap. But there's these bands on the fringes that that don't get the street cred from Rolling Stone or whatever, and those people are the ones that don't get their records played at the party. And worse than that, they get their lockers messed with and stuff like that at school. And 
I was one of those kids that was, I've always been an artist and I would draw the monkeys logo or the kiss logo or the Aerosmith logo or whatever. And I just, just, it's just been really impressed on me this year that you are not alone. Just to let people know that. I think monkeys fandom is kind of, uh, it can be kind of isolating because, you know, it's, you start that fandom alone at home watching TV, mm-hmm. you know, and the music never gets played on the air. So you have to find it yourself. So you're playing it all on your own. You're your own programmer. Yeah. Because you have to be, because it's just not being programmed anywhere. Same thing with the, you know, deep kiss cuts or, or deep cheap trick cuts or, you know, insert band here. And it can be kind of isolating. And the thing about, I think the advent of podcasting and social media is doing kind of what the zines did in the, in the seventies and eighties. Absolutely. You mentioned that we, from like the second month on, there's a frog in my throat. I think two of them actually. Hello, frogs. Yeah, how they got there, I'll never know. I, I woke up in the morning and there was an elephant in my pajamas. How that elephant got in my pajamas, I'll never know. <laughs> you know. I love you too much to correct you on the line. I'm just going to leave it. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, what is it? One morning I shot an elephant in my pajamas. How he got in my pajamas, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, I'm not violent, right? Right. You know, I'm not violent like that, so there you go, lad. So Groucho, however, incredibly violent. No, never. <laughs> Love him. His, his 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 comedy. Oh, he's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, absolutely amazing. So you know, you talk about who did I uh, imitate? You know, I do. Uh, you know, Groucho. You know, like you know, well, your honor, I stood up. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, I stood up for her honor, which is more honor, than she ever did. She ever did, your honor. Too. Yeah, certainly. No, no, no. You know, right. and just just any voice, anything. You know that the Bugs Bunny kind of a thing. You right. know, just God, just Mel Blanken himself, man of a million voices. It's just that's the guy I wanted to hang out with, right? Right. Like people were wanting to hang out with some race car driver or football player. Not me. I want to hang out with Mel Blank <laughs> and just sit around and listen to stupid voices all day. Right. And it's great because he used to do the old-time radio with the Marx Brothers and stuff like that. Yes, he did. And he had his own old-time radio show. I was just about to ask you if you got into old-time radio with the the Jack Bennys and the Fibber McGees and all the great voices that came out of that. Yeah, well, uh, being a kid in the 70s, uh, there were these things called libraries, folks. Oh, they were nice, weren't they? You probably had a good one where you live, too. Yeah, and it had everything from Jack Benny records and the Marx Brothers records and uh, Bob Hope and stuff like that. All this stuff was being put on vinyl, and it was just just amazing. Now, just keep amazing. in mind, kids, we there there was no home video during this day, so you had to wait for your Marx Brothers to be on TV and find it in the book, find it in the TV guide, or find it at, at some uh, art house, you know, second run theater at a college or something that was playing this. You couldn't just punch it up on a computer and watch, you know, room service. Yeah. We were talking about your your experience in radio. Um, actually, we didn't yet. We didn't we didn't say how you got your first gig on the air, other than just hanging out at some college stations. Now, did you get paid to do college radio work, or were you um, were, were you a volunteer like the rest of us who were doing college radio? Volunteer. <laughs> yeah, 
There you go. Welcome to the high-paying world of radio. Yeah. Well, it should have taught me something right then and there, right? <laughs> right. Right. And so so your promotion was to four bucks an hour in a mobile home in the middle of nowhere reading farm reports, which was – that was my first paying job in radio. Hey, if you get paid to run your mouth, that's a good day. Right. But I eventually did get into radio, but it was never a full-time job. It was always, I do this, and then I do that. Not uncommon for that industry. Well, like we were talking about valuing and devaluing, right? Right. We went from where you had people, you know, Wolfman Jack on down to... uh, to whoever in your local market, they were as big a star almost as the people they were playing in some respect. Right. Because if you wanted to hear the Beatles, if you wanted to hear whatever the band was, you had to go through your local or at the time uh, national <laughs> people. And when I say national, I don't mean that syndicated or anything like that. But we were able to pick up with our mighty AM radios, CKLW. We were able to pick up, you know, WNEW. We were able to pick up Boston, Larry Glick in in Boston, and Texas, all in my tiny little red radio. There used to be radio stations that would power on all night long while the others powered off and would clear the (laughs) air so that there was a coast-to-coast AM radio network. And you're right. There were legendary stations like WLS or... Uh, K- 93KHJ here, or the Border Blasters. Mm-hmm. You know, you've heard about the X, and yeah. uh, they were, oh, man. W-O-W-O. I mean, I, there's just so I could just do this for hours, but we won't bore anyone with it. But Might be too late, Ken. Yeah, sorry, folks. But it was it was great. So you're looking at things that were valued and then things that were later devalued. By the time I got into radio, it was the sort of thing where, People would say, okay, hey, you've got a great radio voice. We listened to your demo, and then we had you come in and do like some reading, some commercials and stuff like that. And what they didn't tell you is they were recording, and they'll use those as commercials, and you're not going to get paid for them. Right. And then you find out, so we want you to pick a name. We want you to pick a name. And I picked you know, different names. And then I found out the reason they wanted me to pick a name was so that I'm also going to have to make sales and be the on-air talent. And here's how you're going to earn a living. In order to get a check, you're going to have to go beat feet half the day and sell ads. So you're actually earning your way through radio. And I thought, this is a really sweet deal for these people. (laughs) Right. <laughs> They're getting some a sales staff and a DJ staff, and it's two different names. And I did that for a while, but it, it got to the point where this is not a successful model for anything. I mean, when I found out that I could make more money uh, in maintenance at a nursing home than in radio, that wasn't cool. Yeah, the guys at the radio station who were making money in those days were not were not the on air talent. It was the, it was the sales guys. Yeah, the full time so, sales guys. Yeah, so like you look at someone like Howard Stern or Rush Limbaugh, you you like have to praise them. 
whether you agree with their politics or even like their show, you have to like praise them because they found a way to make themselves marketable. Again, you don't have to like them, but you have to respect what they were able to pull off. Well, because for every for every Howard Stern, for every Rush Limbaugh, there's a thousand Tim Powers's and Ken Mills out there who were like, <laughs> oh, man, I gave it a shot. I really did. But hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Eventually, I just got hungry. Well, and you've got to, you know, you want to build a family, you want to, you know, do all these things in your life. And uh, basically being, chaining yourself to servitude to keep a radio station going is, is not the way to go. So this brings us to podcasting, right? Right. So when we started back in 2006... We had no idea what this really was and, and how far it would go. Really, nobody did in, nope. in 2006. And over time, we were a big influence on a lot of shows and people. And when I say influence, I'm not talking about on other KISS podcasts. Now, there have been – there's come and gone probably 60 KISS podcasts in the wake that tried and failed. We even had one guy contact and say, your, your show sucks and we're going to bury you. Now, how do you get a podcast, a podcast up? How do, you, how do you get that listed on iTunes and what do you use to record with? Like this is literally – I can think of the two-word answer I would have responded with. <laughs> okay. What would that be? Uh, well, that's another time. <laughs> I think okay. we all but, know what those two words would be. But someone had the audacity to actually do that to right. us, you know. And here's the thing: when I first, uh, the, the first time we we found somebody that was wanting to do a show like ours, I I was against it. I was like, no, I'm not going to help support that person. I'm not going to. And my good friend Gary Schaller said, "Man, if you were 12 years old, because because there was this kid by the name of Cassius Morris who was 12 years old at the, or so at the time." And he loved our show. And he said, I want to do this. Will, will you come on our show? And I'm like, I'm not going on that guy's show. There's no way I would do that. And, and then I listened to his show and it was just horrible. Not from his talent, but from his audio setup at the time was just atrocious. Right. And my friend Gary said, man, if you were 12, 
and you were in your bedroom and you could talk about Kiss, wouldn't you do it? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, that's all this kid wants to do. And I'm like, yeah, but people will think that his bad audio is our bad audio. I don't want that. And he's like, no, that's not how this is work. And, and he, he basically got me to understand that the more we help people, the more we will grow, all of us together. A rising tide raises all boats, huh? Exactly. And, you know, for so we had this, like, minute-long conversation. And by the end of that minute, he's really said, you know, there's two ways you can be in this life. You can either build, a, you know, like a wall and protect yourself or you can uh, tear down walls and, and, and create new new roads and new ways of being. Right. So in my selfishness, I was like going, but this is ours. And I went, but this is ours. You know, those are the same words. It's just out there said, right? Mm-hmm. So I went on his show and I – you know, before we <laughs> recorded, I said, let's, let's do a little recording and see how this sounds. And I got his levels set and stuff like that. And, and he's, he's going to have a huge career, Cassius Morris. He's going to be something. I don't know what, but he's already been on the CBC. He's a Canadian guy. He's, he's already done a lot of stuff. Wow. And it's great to see him grow because he's went from having this, kiss show to having his own show like he's becoming his own brand and he does the advertising and the whole bit and and it's not he's really it's amazing to watch him grow but we've had people from all walks of life that listened to our show and went on to make their show and by that i mean like somebody who wanted to do a show about gardening, they listened to our show and said, I can do that too. And they would contact me and I'd say, here's how you get on iTunes. Here's what you need to do. Here's, you know. So I found out that the more that I do this, the more that everything grows. Seriously, it just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. And the the biggest question I get nowadays is how do you make money in podcasting? That's a really, really good question. I tell people you can't. Right. The only way you can make money in podcasting is to create a fan base that loves whatever you do so much that they will buy your T-shirts or your buttons or your skin cover for your phone or something like that. You have to create a community. And once you've done that, it's – it's letting people know that the stuff is out there. Like, for example, there's this thing about collecting. Like, we've, we've talked on part one of this about the zilch buttons, right? Right. It's just a button. That's all it is, folks. As soon as Monkeys fans, who, who basically looked at our logo and thought, well, that's a nice drawing by Ken. And it's a drawing of some animated characters that, Maybe monkeys to to not be sued, right? Right. So anyway, it doesn't say Mickey Dolans or anything like that on it, but you can tell from the art style that something's going on there. It's 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 it's, it's identifiable, and it's there. And nobody really cared until one person bought a Zilch shirt, and one person took a picture of themselves in a Zilch shirt. So then other monkeys fans looked at that and went like. Well, if those monkey fans have that, I need to add it to my collection too. 
<laughs> it's kind of like if you have a book about the monkeys, get people to take pictures of them holding your book with their monkeys collection and people go, well, I need that monkeys book because it's now monkeys collectible because other monkeys fans have it. And I don't want to be the one without it. Right. So once it, it, the zilch button thing went so big with such a great promotion and you know, I, I tell people that every zilch button is a smile. And when I see people take a picture of themselves with that button and I see them smiling, that's that makes me feel so good, you know. And it's just been so great because it's it's went transcontinental now. You know, <laughs> Australia recently had the monkeys there and there were zilch gatherings and meetups. With buttons. Yes. Now, so, for the Australian zilch buttons, were they upside down? Only if they wanted them that All way. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but so so there is money to be made in podcasting. There's things you can do like Amazon, you know, affiliate and stuff like that. Sure. Then there's uh, the shaving clubs and all those ads and things like that. We try not to do any ads. We we never try to do ads. Uh, this, I want our place to be ad free. Now you're going to say, but you have ads on your show all the time. Well, what those ads are for are for things that are aimed at that thing. For example, if you're a kiss fan and, uh, Julian Gill has written a kiss book. I know he's not going to make a ton of money off of it, right? but this is like kiss radio and here is a kiss book. So it's aimed at this audience and it's, it's, it's almost like. Here's something cool you should check out. That's kind of the philosophy. And we don't make any money off of it. And to be clear, you get absolutely nothing from, from the labels or the management. Right. I don't get anything as far as paid. Like someone said about Rhino recently, why didn't I uh, yell at John Hughes for the problems that they had with the Monkey's Blu-ray set? And I said, because he apologized for it and they've made restitutions and, you know, if you had a problem with your set, meaning the, the there was something to do with the inside fold where the disc sat. They weren't – it wasn't constructed for heavy shipment, right? right. <clears throat> and what they did is they, they addressed that and they said, if you received a damaged box – Contact us and we will make it right. Which is a standard business practice for Rhino. They've always been good like that. Yeah. But I wouldn't yell at John just because he's an enormous human being with enormous, you know, giant arms who could pummel well, you into into pulp. Yeah, but even having said that, he's just a real sweet guy. Oh, he's wonderful. He's absolutely wonderful. And, you know, how many times does he have to apologize for this, right? It's like uh, we were talking off air about record players, that people buy these modern new elect uh, re record players right. and, and they'll play vinyl on it and they'll go, well, it skips like crazy. And it's because you've got a Crowsley, you know, record player. You, right. You, you, bought a, you bought a cheap piece of equipment. Yeah. And now you're expecting it to, you know, be this wonderful thing. Which, if you're going to get into vinyl, you need to do one or two things. Have a bank account where you can get it set up by a master who knows what he's talking about. 
there's there's so much that needs to be done to listen to a record nowadays, right? We just we just had record players and we played records back then. That's right. all it was. Now you've got you've got a I see where people are washing their records and I mean washing them. I never did that. <laughs> you do that. You know what, Ken? You do that once. You if you if you have a really filthy record, right? That's yeah. that's yeah. dusty, you, you play it wet once. Yeah. But but then the mud dries on it and you can never play it again. So record it while you can. Yeah. But I'm seeing like YouTube tutorials about placing glue on your album and lifting it up and it'll get all that dirt out. And I never knew there was so much work just to listen to a song. You know, it, we just would open up the, the record from Kmart and put it on our turntable and rock out. And right. Play and that would be the end of it. And it would sound great to us. And we'd sneak a beer, and life was good. There you, you know, go. It wasn't it wasn't this big thing. Now it's some anal retent of sci- science that it's just ponderous, man. To quote Casey Kasem, <laughs> it's just ponderous, ponderous man. man. Zoiks, you know. Yeah. But again, that's a guy, a, another hero of mine. When I found out he did Robin and Shaggy and and Casey Kasem himself, you know. I think Casey was a stutterer too. I seem to remember hearing a story about how he uh, he overcame it uh, in a similar way as you, as yeah. a matter of fact. Well, when you see that light come on, it's it's go time, you know. Yeah. And so Casey was a hero of mine, and, and another guy who just passed yesterday, Bob Coburn. Yeah. Uh, from KLOS out there in Los Angeles. Yeah. And uh, he he did the Rockline show. And he is a true hero of mine. Rockline was, man, I'll tell you what, listeners, if you want to hear what I would love Deep Dish to be, it's Rockline. Absolutely. And that's that's kind of how I look at any show that I do. When I have a guest on my show, I want to be Bob Coburn. And I try to pattern my delivery, my uh, trying to make a guest comfortable. If you hear me and you hear anything like what Bob Coburn did, then I am doing my job. Because that, seriously, his his delivery, his his warmth, his genuineness, it, he had it all. So I, I'm going to miss him. Even though it's been a while since I've listened to his latest input. Right. You know, again, with the death of radio, it's, it's harder now, right? Yeah. Like, you used to get um, Rockline would come on, and it didn't matter who it was. I'd usually check it out because it was just there. the interviews were compelling. Yeah, it was great yeah, stuff. It was great, and I mean, he made interviews with Crocus sound interesting, and that—that's <laughs> not easy. No, Whew, boy, or the Scorpions, you know. Yeah, we are a rock and roll band. Yeah, yes, we love the rock and roll guitar. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Hello, how are you doing, America? You know, and stuff yep. like And he made it all work. And he could interview anybody from any walk of music or anything. And it, it when he interviewed Kiss or Cheap Trick or any of the people I loved, it, it seemed like no matter who he interviewed, he, there was such a warmth and an openness and like I'm you get you you almost had the feeling like he was friends with everybody right it's the this he had the same goal that, that you and I have when we interview somebody which is to get something new yeah you know yeah. these guys have all been interviewed 10,000 times 
and they have stock answers for just about every question. And the best thing you can hear from someone you're interviewing is, that's a good question. I've never been asked that before. And I strive to get that in every episode. Well, like when when we interviewed Peter Torp for Zilch. Yes, which was a great episode. Oh, thank you. Uh, and he's talking about how his brother and him used to make comic books and they'd make stop motion animation. Uh, never heard that, that story ever. But 3D, they, they were doing it with the 3D glasses back in, in the, the, the 50s. Right. And they would draw art and their dad showed them how 3D worked and they would draw, you know, cartoon panels or, or comic panels or whatever. In 3D now, it, everyone drew something, but to learn and know how 3D worked. <laughs> that's, that's complicated stuff. Yeah, that just shows you how he, his mind works and his father's mind worked and his brother's minds work. It's just, just amazing stuff. And a transparent story that no matter, I mean, I'm looking literally at a shelf of maybe eight books about monkey's history. Mm-hmm. And that story is in none of them. You know, and that story is not in any interview I've ever heard before. And that's the kind of stuff that you would get on Rockline and, you know, the stuff like that you and I are trying to do. Mm-hmm. Well, so, two, of the, two, two of the interviews I'm most proud of is Ace Fraley's, uh, the, 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 the one we did with Ace Fraley and the one we did with Peter Tork. Uh, we've interviewed a lot of people and we've interviewed a lot of celebrities who are fans of the Monkees and Kiss, by the way. That's that's another thing that's really cool about this is that you never know who's out there listening. I found out somebody uh, recently, they didn't want to be mentioned, but I'm not trying to be coy by saying what I'm going to say, but somebody's a huge Monkees fan, but they don't want to become defined as the monkey comedian, right? Right. And uh, it's it's amazing. You never know. Who's going to hear this? Who's going to listen to this? But like I was saying earlier, we have influenced so many people to start podcasting that they gave me that name. The pod father. Yeah. And it wasn't because I'm making a crap ton of money, but because I actually am helping people find their way in this. I don't want to call it an industry, this hobby, whatever you want to call it. But uh, even uh, the the lady who works with us on Zilch, she now has a podcast about libraries, being let's, a library leader. Let's plug her, Ken. Okay. Uh, Sarah Clark, Better Library Leaders is the podcast. And you may think, well, why would I want to listen to this? But it's, it's kind of like uh, imagine if you had like did an episode, 10, 10 things every leader should learn from Captain Kirk. Like to me, that's that would be a great show, right? Yeah. Here's here's what I learned from Captain Kirk and how you can be a better library leader from Captain Kirk. So it's it's things like that. It's it's dealing with actually making your library marketable to, to your community. And you might think, well, why would I care about that? Because whatever you're doing, you may need to be a leader in your field, and you can learn from that. So you can learn from Captain Kirk, you can learn from Sarah Clark, you can learn from Tim Powers, you can learn from Ken Mills. Everybody can learn from something else. Step outside of your comfort zone. 
you know, the podcasting thing that's happening right now reminds me a lot of the, the magazine publishing that was very popular in the 60s, 70s and into the 80s. Yeah. Where, you know, now if you walk into a drugstore, the magazine rack is maybe three or four feet wide and maybe four or five feet high. And there's 20, 30 publications on there. But when we were kids, man, it was sometimes an entire wall. Yeah, full of magazines of everything from from popular mechanics to Newsweek to Life to you know bird watching to Cat Fancy magazine, right? And it would get so narrow. But there's an enthusiasm for just about everything. If there's something that you, whoever you are, are enthusiastic about, and you can you can talk about it. There's someone, believe it or not, who is willing to listen to you, and that's where podcasting comes into play. Absolutely. Like, you know, you mentioned magazine depots or news depots or things like that. Right. You know, they'd be in town. And I remember going to these things and I could spend an hour just looking at all the various types of magazines that are out there. Like when I got into uh, getting a satellite dish, for example, it floored me that there were like five magazines every month that would come out. One was like a TV guide. The other one was like new steps in technology in this field to how uh, an actual satellite works. Now, you know? to be clear, this wasn't one of the old direct TV, one of the direct TV dishes. This is one of those old five foot tall dishes in the backyard, it's right? Eight feet, maybe, yeah. in diameter. And it was great. And I remember I would like look out my uh, bay window that you could sit in, and I'd look out and I'd see that big monster, and I'm like, I love because here's here's the thing like check this out i don't know if people realize this or not but remember when batman the animated series was on first on tv and you had like star trek the next generation and stuff right right on friday to saturday night they would show every episode that would that would air in the local markets they would like all the syndicated shows they would show like in in three or four hours, right? Right, so that the local station could record it and, and library it. Yeah, so I would have immaculately wonderful, you know, full copies of everything. There was no need to buy a box set. You just needed to have videotapes ready. <laughs> and you could throw them in and go to bed and you would have little like a minute gap where there was nothing so they they could put a commercial there right and you would have the commercials but it was the closest thing to to like home video it, it, you know at, at that point it was a library unto itself god those were great times not only that you got to see like uh you'd be watching the ball game and the guy would uh just be looking at chicks just scoping the crowd for chicks right yeah Remember that? Yep, because you get the you you get uh, multi camera feed. So there, yeah, there would just be that one camera where the guy is out. And, and uh, the Chicago Cubs guy used to call it the hat cam, and I'm like, hat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> that girl's not wearing a hat. <laughs> <laughs> I bet she's a great swimmer. Oh, you know what I mean. Say no more. Say no. But uh, so. You, you mentioned fanzines earlier. Like I said, we were the we we always called the podcast the fanzine for your ears. So we kind of took that and ran with it. And I feel that if you're 
doing a good job, that's really what you are as a fanzine for the years. You know, if, if it's if it's a specific themed podcast, right? Will be it Star Trek, Star Wars, gardening. There's one show that I'm not kidding you that they contacted me and said I became a podcaster because of you. And they do a show that's based on the Bible, but they watch Star Trek, and they talk about each episode and what Bible verses would correlate with. Like the lesson learned in that episode, and folks, that's a that's a a very tight niche. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Christian Star Trek fans, you, you know, they're out there, right? The, they well, that's my point, though. There are whatever you want to talk about. There's somebody else who wants to listen to it and and maybe engage in a dialogue, or maybe just go, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So there's so much out there, and if it's not out there, maybe it's up to you to create it. And and that's where we are now. The creation of a podcast is a lot easier than it was 10 years ago. Right. Um, now there's a whole industry of podcasting supplies. If you go into your local big box electronics store, you know, for 150 bucks, you pretty much get everything you need. Right. But you don't need to do all that stuff. Like there's Audacity, right? It's free. Right. You can download it. It's free. And then uh, you just need to learn how to edit in it. And you can. Sarah Clark, who does the Better Library Leaders, she learned totally how to do everything in Audacity. Well, there's YouTube tutorials that will teach you how to do, you know, how to edit audio in about 15 minutes. The, yeah, the equipment, you know, is, is, a, is a, the same cost of a good night out on the town. And there's no other cost beyond that. There's hosting. That's about it. And if you're smart, you can figure out a way to, to host for free. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, the, the, the great thing about podcasting is, is that it's an equalizer, right? You don't have to be a white male to do it. You don't have to be uh, – you don't have to have a, a diploma or an education. You don't have to go to the accredited school of podcasting. Anyone can do this. And you can do it well. Or you can just, you know, do a shit job of it. But I will tell you this. If you do it well, there are rewards out there. That's the truth. That's the truth. And, and one of the biggest rewards is getting to talk to people like Tim Powers. Oh, go on. No, seriously. And getting to talk to people that really... Okay, I don't want to get too cornball or anything, right? Okay. But when you get letters saying, I was in the hospital... And I had to learn how to walk again. And I listened to you every day while I was in therapy. And this actually happened to you, Ken. To be clear, this is not a hypothetical example. This actually happened to you. Yeah. And then there's people who, as my child was being born, I was sitting in the operating room or sitting outside the operating room. Uh, while my wife was having problems and they called him in while they could. And then while I was sitting out there, yours was the voice I heard. There's one guy who listens to the podcast in the kiss room. And he says that his daughter started going to college. And every year he takes the, the kiss room and the podcast with him. And his whole family listened to her loading up, driving to the school and unpacking. So every fall, he would listen to our shows. And now she's graduating. 
There's been people that have been through divorces, custody battles, their mothers and fathers and children dying. And we've been there for them. And it's very heavy, very heavy stuff to deal with, right? Right. Because I'm not talking to you about philosophy. I'm not talking to you about uh, how to live your life or change your life or have a better life. But I am. Because of our attitudes and how we feel about things and how we treat people. Uh I'm, I've never been someone not to tell someone I love them. Like, I have no problem telling you I love you. There's a lot of guys that get all hung up on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's their bubble. That's how they were raised. But I hear from people all the time, and they'll ask me, like, are, are you a Christian, or are you this, or are you that? Are you a Buddhist? Are you into Zen? You know, <laughs> every sort of thing. And But the the fact that people pick up on my heart that says a lot and we've been through a lot of things with a lot of people and we were not aware of it right right you're just you're just putting out a show about an old tv show or a band or or what have you right but to the people out there that felt alone we've become their friends whereas you would turn on one one thing about podcasting is it's it's not a casual thing. If someone's listening to you, it's because they want to. They sought you out, yeah. That's that's the difference between podcasting and what the radio is that we wanted to be. You know, yeah. when we were kids, you'd flip it on and it was just it was there. That I mean, it was really that that simple. It was you were force-fed what what was programmed. Now they've got to really hunt to find you. You're sought out as a podcaster. Not only that, they value you. And yeah, you valued like the big jocks and stuff like that that would make your local appearance at a car dealership or something like that. You might want to get a picture signed. I've had people ask me for something to, to sign something. It's like, how do I sign a podcast? John Humphrey from the band Seether. You've heard of Seether? Yeah. Great band. He's the drummer. He's a, he's a huge Kiss fan. He was one of the first celebrities that contacted me and he's like, you know, I'm I'm John Humphrey. I'm in a band called Seether and and I was I'm a fan of Seether, right? So yeah. <laughs> I get this I get this email and I'm like, Yeah, you're pulling my leg and it's like, No, no, seriously, this is I, I am who I say I am and uh he came on the show and it was great. You know, it's just absolutely amazing. People from all walks of life, whether it be a comic book creator that listened to Kiss or a school teacher or, you know, doctors, any sort of thing. So uh, it, it's just amazing. But he's such a, a wonderful, wonderful guy. He's a great ambassador for his band and for KISS fans everywhere. Really great heart. And, uh, you know, we've actually become friends through all of this. And it, it just goes on just like you and I became friends through through all of this. Right, right. right. And it just it just keeps going, and it just it just shows you the power of love. And and I'm not trying to be hokey by what I'm saying, but when you get people saying, you know, when I started listening to your show, I was entering college, and now I'm graduating. I just want you to know that you've been here through all of this. And that's just it's it's mind blowing. It, it's spirit blowing. It it really does. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Well, and it speaks to 
um, a really high point of I'm going to I'm going to specifically talk about American culture. Right. Because we are in one of the most divisive periods in American history since the Civil War. Yeah. And, you know, red state, blue state, um, however you voted is, is, is your business. But if there's a common point where anybody can come together on anything, you know, we live in a in a in a culture where everybody's a published critic and everybody's got some opinion about something and you know and everybody kind of wants wants to to make that opinion law you know every episode is the worst episode ever or every restaurant is the worst restaurant ever and and it yep. is man and um but if there's if there's something that can actually unite whether it's a whether it's a podcast or or uh, something around a particular fandom and you you keep it as inclusive as you Ken Mills have strived to do with the things that you do um, and surround yourself with the people that you have that speaks a lot to the um, the human spirit that that remains still alive in American culture mm-hmm. I agree I agree and and that's kind of what we're shooting for right right and I don't I, I don't want to be background noise and like i said when you're actively seeking out a podcast you don't become background noise people savor it they download these things they keep them i'm glad that people are keeping them one of the greatest things that that i absolutely loved this was like uh it reminded me of a frank a frank capra jimmy stewart kind of a film right somebody hacked into our site and they embedded everything to where if we got rid of it, it would flush everything. So like every episode that we had up on the site, every graphic, everything that we had was going to go bye-bye if we got rid of the, the bad stuff, okay? <laughs> the Russian government is after zilch. <laughs> well, not that, but it was just – it seriously was you know, just a porn site trying to take over our thing and spread their – thing i don't know what their thing was but uh, charming yeah we just i wanted nothing to do with it you know right because kiss may sing about some vulgar shit but uh that's not what their career is based on and that's not what our show's based on right. so so i said screw it we're going to just do this and we we wiped it out then i realized that there were some of the shows that we didn't actually have that they were on a hard drive that failed and now it's gone right right so I put an appeal out to the listeners. I said, listen, everything's gone. Guess what? Everyone had the stuff. <laughs> and we were able to, over a couple month period, upload every episode and link everything properly. And it was because of the listeners. It was because of the friends and fans of the show that it continues on. And that now... I got a letter from somebody last night, a letter, not a letter, but an email from someone last night who's, who's just found the show. And had those fellow KISS fans not have kept the podcast episodes, those would be lost to history, right? Not that it's, you know, the end of the world. Right. But it means something to people that they kept them. And that that puts a big smile on my face. Man, you know what blows me away with stories like that is that advertisers haven't really caught on that there's a captive and engaged audience. 
Right. Well, like you think about somebody that is, for example, we play Kiss uh, live stuff and demos and stuff that you can't buy legally. Right. And there are there are some Kiss fans that have every bootleg ever, right? Or some Monkees fan that have every bootleg ever. And they think, oh, well, this stuff has been out. Like, for example, on the, the latest Monkees album, there was a Davy Jones track on it right. that was not in wide release. And to serious hardcore Monkey fans, when that song was on the new album, to a lot of people, they were like, ah, but we have that already. Do you know how many Monkey fans had never heard that? pretty large percentage so to them it was a brand new thing and it brought joy to people in 2016 so but you're right about uh advertisers what they don't realize is that if if coca-cola were to advertise on the podcast for example right they're stuck on that episode from now till the end of downloadable times so every time that this episode is played. I don't care if it's for the album, you know, Kiss Asylum. Every time the Kiss Asylum album would be talked about or listened to by a new listener or an old listener, there would be that Coke commercial. They don't realize what they're missing right now. Right. Which, by the way, speaking of commercials, it's a w- weird thing. When's the last time you saw a bread commercial? That's a good point. I mean, I live in Southern California, and I think bread's being outlawed in at January first. It might be illegal. Yeah, there's no carbs. Yeah, but, but uh, it's it's odd. There's just certain things that like, uh, how come there's no bread commercials anymore? <laughs> Whatever happened? Yeah, that's a crazy good point, actually. Because yeah. there used to be the you know the Sunbeam, and there used to be uh, God Wonder used to advertise all the time when we were kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's weird. You take a look at something like stamps. Why would you have to advertise them? I, I, I know this sounds like a bad Jerry Seinfeld thing. Like, why do they advertise stamps? You know you're going to need them. You know. <laughs> Whatever happened to the bread commercials? I go into my store and there's 50 kinds of breads, but there's all, no more commercials. You know, so it would be that sort of thing. But There you go. Not to get on their shit, but... So podcasting is a viable medium for for anything, and the setup is easy. And if, so, you know, if you if any of this resonates with anybody listening, and you just you have that burning desire to share what's on your heart or just be heard, uh, setup is easy. And there are people out there who are willing to coach you. And there's a whole industry of books and tutorials and and inexpensive gear. Um, you know, the, to get you out there, it doesn't require a whole lot. You don't have to own a radio station or anything like that. It really, you know, you need a microphone, a computer, and an internet connection. And ultimately, that's that's really it. And the microphone's not that expensive. Right, right, absolutely. But the thing that I want to say to everybody, that you have a voice. Whether you stutter, whether you don't feel anybody wants to hear what you have to say, if if you feel like you want to be heard, why not try it? You know, uh, uh, kind of, kind of do your thing, whatever it is. And there's probably someone out there wanting to hear what you have to say. And if for no other reason than just to validate how they feel, right? Yeah, like if you're into gardening and somebody else wants to do gardening, I mean, there's, 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 there are podcasting about crafting, which like 
I don't, it, it'd be like trying to teach someone how to shoot pool, you know, over the radio. <laughs> it's true. But there, there's podcasts about people that shoot pool. There's podcasts about, uh, gosh, playing cards, poker. There's, there's podcasts about poker. I don't get that, you know. But the, the point being is, is that I truly do believe in podcasting. And it's, it's very re- rewarding. And it gets you in touch with people who are from the walk of life that, that chances are you're in right now. If someone shares that same hobby, they're out there. So I encourage everybody to try it. Because there's, uh, there's, somebody wants to hear what you have to say. Let's go through your podcasts again, Ken. Before we, before we wrap up, let's make sure that everybody knows uh, all the places where they can hear you. Besides, of course, this episode of Deep Dish Radio brought to you by the good folks at Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, diabetes in a can. We will be, broad, uh, we will be broadcasting the message of Coke long after the show you know there's somebody out there will save this episode you know i i go to bed at night sometimes listening to jack benny and yeah. all those jello ads you know are they're still there absolutely so the shows that i have are uh the pod kiss which is the longest running kiss podcast 10 years now and that's a lot of gene simmons impersonations and uh critical analysis of the band interviews with members of the band themselves, and just lots of KISS fun. Anything you want to know about KISS, KISS culture, we are the KISS fanzine for your ears, the podcast. Found at www.podkiss.com. And we also have the KISS room, which is the live version of the podcast, and it's really a celebration of KISS culture and what's going on that week. Like I said, it's live, and you can call up and be part of the show. And that's run by the uh, ever-wonderful, the we always play hooky with the Wookiee, Matt Porter, the hairy guy himself. And then we have uh, Cheap Talk with uh, BJ Cramp, my fellow uh, Cheap Trick expert. And we talk about all things Cheap Trick because they were another band that I felt didn't get enough love. And then there is Zilch, a monkeys podcast, which we call also a podcast full of monkeys. And if you ever want a monkey around and talk about one of the greatest pop sensations slash TV shows of the 20th century, and really you should because it's great stuff. And if, if you think the monkeys are too cool for you, you, you maybe are not as cool as you think you are. And there you go. All, all fun and all, uh, you know, you can get heavy about stuff, but the episodes are all light. They're all fun. They're all um, well done. So I encourage you to check out all of uh, Ken's various and sundry uh, endeavors. And every now and then I pop up in some of them. So Absolutely. And, and I want to do a show about pop culture. And that will be everything from talking to uh, comedians and uh, people like Tim Powers and cosplayers and people that do fan films and comic books and just any sort of thing. I, I want to spread out into that in this coming year. So, well, Tim will let you know where that can be. Absolutely, found. I will. But by then, you'll probably know for yourself because you'll be uh, you'll be checking it out. Ken, it's always a pleasure. I am I am so glad that uh, through podcasting, you and I became friends. I love it, and uh, you know that I get a kick out of checking out a Zilt show and just going, "Man, Ken did a great job on that," and just having that that admiration from my end. I'm really glad that you could join. I think your show, your story, 
your personal journey is is kind of compelling, and I'm glad we were able to scratch the surface a little bit and get um, get the story behind the man and and kind of get the 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 Podfather's origin story. So thanks again, my friend. That's just part of it, you know. There is a part two to this where I uh, learn how much I love rice, you know. And <laughs> that's a whole other show. I'm- Stay tuned for the Ken Mills Rice Show. We'll be we'll be all over that. All right, we'll wrap it up there. You are not alone. No matter where you are, you are not alone. Hey. It's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.